Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Today wraps up our three-week teaching series, Titus. This book will captivate and will also convict our hearts. Sometimes knowing is just not enough. We must do something. Good morning and welcome to Valley Point. It's great to see everybody here. And I want to let you guys know about what's going to be happening over the next three weeks because these are going to be memorable gatherings and I hope that everybody will set these Sundays aside and that you'll be here and that you'll consider bringing a friend with you. So next week on Sunday, August the 26th, we're going to be thinking about casting a big vision for reaching the world and how God is using Valley Point Church. He's using us to point people to real relationships that inspire real significance, not just here in our community, but in other places around the world. And so to help us think through that, Chuck Ward, who serves with MANA Worldwide, is going to spend the day with us, and I'm going to be interviewing him. Chuck is an individual who loves Jesus, and he's given his life to helping other people find him. And so we're going to be talking, and many of you know Chuck. If you've been on a recent compassion trip to Guatemala or to Panama, Chuck was there. He hosted those trips, and so many of you know him. The rest of us will get the chance to meet him next Sunday, and we're going to have a great time listening to what he has to say. Again, Chuck works with MANA Worldwide, and MANA has this crazy big dream, like this big goal of just getting rid of injustice around the world. Can you imagine? Like if they actually did that, it would be an incredible thing. And that's what they're shooting for. That's what they're hoping for and what they're planning on. And we love that big crazy goal that they have. And so we want to link arms with them and discover what we can do, not just here, but around the world to do that. So part of what they want to do is they want to end the cycles of ignorance and poverty and shame and hate and despair, and they go about that with child orphanages and feeding centers and medical clinics and planting churches, and so we're just going to talk to Chuck next week, and I think you're going to be so encouraged and inspired with that, and I hope that you'll be here. To prep for that, you can check out manaworldwide.com, that's their website, and you can read the stories there, and again, I think you'll be really inspired with their work around the world. So that's the 26th. That's next Sunday. Got that? All right, so the Sunday after that is the first Sunday in September. It's like here, it's arrived, and we're going to have a wonderful day just celebrating community impact, and we're going to cast some vision with our children's ministry. So this will be the Sunday after Vacation Bible School, and so all of our kids are going to be in here with us So it's going to be loud and noisy, and we'll celebrate that. That'll be a fun thing. The kids themselves are going to sing some songs for us, what they did throughout the week, and show us a bit of that. And then Dan and Christy, who lead our children's ministry, are going to talk to us about how everything is possible with God. So that's the theme throughout the week. And I think adults need to hear that probably more than kids, 
Because kids are ready to respond to that, like, yeah, God, everything is possible with him. And they like that and applaud that. And adults are like, you know, I'm not so sure about that. So they're going to talk to us about that theme throughout the week and how everything is possible. So if you have kids, you will want them to be here. And even if you don't have younger kids who participate in this, let me just say, your heart will be warmed. It really will be. And I think you'll be so encouraged with what God is doing in the next generation. So set aside that Sunday as well. And by the way, you can still participate in Vacation Bible School. So a few weeks ago, we talked about how it's all hands on deck. We need everybody for this. This is a church effort because it's about going after our community and inviting them in to discover how incredible God is. So everybody needs to be involved, and there's three different ways that you can do that. You can donate, volunteer, or invite. And that is still happening, and if you need information on any of that, there is a table in the lobby for Vacation Bible School and you can check in with them, and they'll tell you what you can do to just have a wonderful week. So that's September the 2nd, okay? Now, on September the 9th, this is like our launch day for a new ministry season. School is back in session, and I know not everybody's happy to hear that, but it is going to begin at some point. The moms are like, yeah, this is a great day. So it's going to happen, and school's back, and vacations are primarily over for the most part. So we're going to have a great crowd on that day. And I simply want to take some time and talk to you guys about 10 reasons why I am fired up about Valley Point Church. So I actually started writing this talk this past week. And I'm up to 17 reasons right now, and there's probably more. So i got to figure out how to condense that to 10 so we're not here all day. And I want you to come and just hear about some of the things that are going to be happening in this next ministry season right here at Valley Point. And I believe, I do with everything inside of me, that this next season will be the greatest in the history of this church. And so I want you to come on that day and hear these different reasons and we'll just have a wonderful time together. So that's the next three weeks. Make sense? Okay, got it, do you think, for the most part? All right, so the 26th, Chuck Ward, lots of fun. September the 2nd, kids will be in here, lots of fun. And on the 9th, we're going to be talking about how I'm super uber excited about this next ministry season, and that will be fun as well. So set those days aside, don't miss it, and be sure that you invite a friend. So today, we wrap up the book of Titus by looking at chapter 3. And here's where we've been. We've been thinking through this big idea that knowing is not enough. Like, we need to know some things. That's valuable and that's important. But just knowing about God and facts and stats and information, it's not enough. We must do something with what we know. So knowing is not enough. We have to act. We have to implement. We have to do something. This is what God wants from all of us. And the book of Titus is helping us get that. So in chapter one, we said this, do something. Like identify the things that peel you away from running with God. 
And certainly there are a lot of things in life that just kind of steal our heart and take it away from God and put us in a whole different place. And so we need to identify those things and then fight against that. And chapter 1 gives us a lot of help on how to do that. Then in chapter 2, we said do something, like develop a spiritual plan and then just run with it. We talked about how we're pretty good at planning, like when we have a crisis or we have an issue or even when things are going okay, we still develop plans and we implement them all day long, except for when it comes to our friendship with God. We don't plan that. It just kind of is what it is and whatever happens, happens, and we're not super intentional about really getting after God and increasing our relational closeness with him. We just let it happen by default. And so we can't do that. We have to develop a plan. And so in chapter two, we have a great plan and it's broken down into age groups. So there was a plan for older men and then older women and then younger men and younger women and then for workers. And I hope that you have had some fun this week thinking about your spiritual plan and developing that and growing that in your life because it's a good thing. So today, we finish going through a whole book of the Bible, which is a pretty cool thing. And it's chapter 3, and here's our big idea. Do something, serve somebody. That's it. That's like the whole chapter 3 in a sentence. Do something, because knowing's not enough, right? Like serve somebody, Look out and pass on goodness to somebody else. So check out the very first verse of chapter, one, uh, chapter 3 here. It says, remind the believers. This is Paul. He's the author, and he's writing to Titus. That's the name of the book. And he tells them, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. Now, the word submit is a very interesting word. It's actually a military term that has the idea of people lining up under their commanding officer. So you get this great picture of a military individual, and they begin to shout out orders to those who are in their troop, and they begin to line up, and then they begin to do. That's the idea of submit. In a non-military world, it means this to voluntarily cooperate. And that's pretty much the idea here. So Paul writes to Titus, and he says, you got to help the people there know that they need to voluntarily cooperate with the government there. That's kind of a big challenge, because back in the day, governments weren't so nice. They weren't very helpful. And so this is a big thing. And Paul knew that if Titus could implement this, if people could get it, it would make a big difference in their culture. So verse 1 continues. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Verse 3. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy 
and we hated each other. It's almost like Paul is saying here, let's not get too far removed from the way we were. Because guess what? Before we found Christ, we were pretty messed up too. And we had some issues, and we were slaves to many lusts and pleasures. So Titus, let's not get too far removed from how we used to act. It's not a good thing. And then verse 4 comes along, and we have this great transitional verse. It says, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love. And there's that word revealed again. We saw this in chapter 2 in verse 11, how God has revealed himself to us. And the idea of that word revealed is that he's breaking into our world. And so what we discover here is that God, our Savior, he's breaking into our world, and here's what he's doing it with, which is really good news. He's doing it with kindness and love. It's what he's up to. It's powerful. Now, these next set of verses, they kind of make your head spin. So take a deep breath. Now, like, really, take a deep breath and let these words kind of just fall into your mind right now. He, speaking of God, he saved us. That's what he's done. He saved us. He saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is just incredible. I mean, he's giving and he's pouring out and he's generous. Verse 7, because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And this is such good news. And in a season where the Phillies are a bit under, we need some good news, don't we? And here it is. It comes in the form of a God who generously just gives and gives and gives and is good to us even when we don't deserve it. See, it's not because of the righteous things that we have done. No, it's not about that at all. It's all because of him. Now, here's where it gets interesting. And here comes this word, do. Verse eight. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. And here's why. It's because these teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So when you take those first eight verses, here's what it tells us. Do something good. That's it. Do something good. And the idea here is that we do something good for somebody else. It's an outward focus. Big challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and here's why. See, the longer we follow Christ, the greater the possibility increases that I will want things to be just about me. This is the danger. This is the thing. The longer I follow Christ, the greater the possibility increases that I will want things to be about me. And I will say, my church and my interests and my group and my chair and my coffee, my row, my program, my passions, my ideas, my goals, my dreams, my whatever, 
And we can't let that happen. Again, we have to know a few things. But the more we know, the danger increases that I will want stuff to be about me. So we can't just know stuff. We actually have to do something. See, it was extremely important that the people that Titus was serving on this corrupt little island of Crete, that they were good citizens because Titus knew if they did that, if they actually acted that way, if they implemented that, that that would have huge impact on their culture where everybody was consumed with me. Like this would be so different and so radical and it would be such a bright light that it would really stand out. And so they didn't have the time to think about just me and my stuff and my dreams. They had to think about others. Me wouldn't have worked. It's interesting because you wouldn't think we'd have to talk about this, right? I mean, we don't have these kinds of issues and problems thinking about just ourselves, do we? Well, I know me. And I'm going to confess to you that I love thinking about me a lot. I really do. That just comes very naturally to me. And I've got to force myself to think about others. And when you walk through Scripture, the constant push here, And the constant drive is that we serve others, we give to others, we're generous to others, we give and we give and we give and we have this outward focus. Do something, serve somebody. All right, that all sounds good and wonderful and I think we like the idea of that and we probably think we should be doing some of these things. The real question is how? How do you actually get after this? Because we'll walk out of here in a moment and life happens and there's so much going on in the next couple of weeks and we just kind of naturally get consumed with me and my schedule. So how do you practically implement this? How do we actually serve somebody? Well, I want to take a few moments and just unpack this and give you some steps and some thoughts. And this might not be what you think, But I do believe it's going to help us do something like serve somebody. So here's step number one. Remind yourself that God showed up. Just every once in a while, remind yourself that God revealed himself to you. That's what verse four says. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. And once in a while, we got to remind ourselves that God appeared and he passed on goodness to us. And if we responded to his leadership and his forgiveness, and if we trusted in Jesus alone to save us, then we benefited from that. Like that was really, really good for us. And life isn't perfect, but we have somebody who walks with us through every life situation we benefit from the fact that God has revealed himself to us and now God wants us to pass that on to others. See, when God shows up, it's like a whole new game because he's God and God is just God and the day is better and things change and we can do good stuff and we should do good stuff, not because it makes us feel better or we're supposed to. We do this because we have this sense that God has given this to me and I've 
benefited so much from his love and his compassion and his generosity. And so now I got to look out and I've got to serve somebody. Let me ask you, can you think of a time in your life where you benefited from the goodness of someone to you? It was kind of an unexplained thing. Didn't make sense to you. Maybe you know you didn't deserve that, but they just extended that and you benefited from their goodness. Several years ago, we were living in Indiana and I was serving at a church there and I was the student pastor and just having a great time. And in the process of serving God and growing our family, we got a call to go to another church in Indiana that was about two hours away and we sensed that's what God wanted for us. And so we moved and we started serving there and we had a great time. But our house at the other place wouldn't sell. Like the crazy thing just sat there for months and months and it was painful and we couldn't move that thing. And so we were kind of bouncing around into a couple of different homes and people were good to us and they let us stay in their basements and they gave us homes when they were away for a while. And so we just kind of bounced around. It was fun. We were nomads. It was great. But we really wanted our own place and we were trying to figure that out and Finally, an individual in the church came to me who was a builder, and he was working on a community, and he said, I have some new homes that are going up, and I know your house hasn't sold yet, but I'm closing on this house in about 60 days, and why don't you just go look at it, see if you'd like it, if it'll fit for your family, and then if you like it, you can pick out countertops and cabinets and carpets and tile and all that stuff. So I told him, I'm like, look, we're we're not going to be able to do that because we have the other home, and I, I can't do two homes. Like, it doesn't work for me. He's like, don't worry about it. Just, just go and kind of just pick it out have fun. So we went. We liked the house. It was a good fit for us, and we picked out some things, and in 60 days, the house closed, and we still hadn't sold our home. So I went to him and said, look, really appreciate all you've done for us, but we're not going to be able to do that because our house still hasn't sold. And so he said, look, why don't you just move in? Just get in there. And I'm like, oh, it's really nice. I appreciate that. You're a good man. But I can't do that because I can't pay for it. I have this other house. And he's like, you don't get it. Just get your stuff and get your family and move into that house, and I'll pay for it. Wow. So we got our stuff and our kids, because we were done being basement dwellers at that point, and we got into that house, and we had a great time, and we lived there for six months and our house finally sold. And I look back on that moment as a great reminder of somebody who passed on goodness to me that's unexplained. I didn't deserve that. I hadn't earned that. He just did it. And that's goodness. So has anyone ever passed on goodness to you? Unexplained? Undeserved, but it just comes and it just happens? Can you think of a time perhaps when you've passed on goodness to somebody and they didn't deserve it, but they benefited from your generosity? See, I think in its purest form, there's nothing better than helping a person in need without expecting any kickback at all. It's just doing it because this is what God wants and I'm gonna be obedient to him because he's already extended goodness to me. 
Let me just brag on some people here at Valley Point who I see doing this all of the time. Back in October, we launched with a new mantra, real relationships and real significance. So real relationships with God and with other people, we can have that and we can enjoy that and that's a good thing. But we also can have real significance with our lives, like God can use me and who I am and how I'm designed and my talents and my failures and my passions to do significant things for others. And so we just started to find different ways that we could implement real relationships and real significance as a church. And we started to partner with this place in Chester called City Team. And City Team is amazing. There's just wonderful people there who are serving their community. And they do rehab work and they feed homeless individuals and they just do everything they can to serve the crowd around them and we really became fascinated with their work and very interested and so we kind of linked up arms with city team and we said we want to serve you we want to pass on goodness to you because of how good God has been to us and so we started a Christmas offering last year and we gave some money to them that we had given here and they redid a whole chapel area where they meet with the people that they serve and they were so fired up about that and it was a great thing One of the things I didn't anticipate coming out of that is that there would be individuals in our church, a handful of them, who got captured with City Team and what they were doing and how they were trying to pass on goodness to other people and help people find real relationships and do significant things. And so there's a group of people from our church that just kind of go every once in a while, once a week, a couple times a month, whatever that looks like, They go on their own without it being an organized thing, without anybody asking them to do that, without being told. They just go. And they serve the people at City Team. And I love that. I think it's incredible. And we need more and more people who will just go and find things. And many of you are doing that in different areas and with different things. And we applaud that. And we want to see more and more of that. And I believe that happens simply because we get to a point where we remind ourselves that God has revealed something to me. He's given goodness to me, and I've benefited from that. And I can't just consume that all on myself. I've got to go, and I've got to serve, and I've got to love. And people are doing that. It's incredible. I see others who are getting captured with the fact that they need to be on mission where God has planted them. Last week, we talked about how We all have responsibilities. Most of us work, and we don't often think about the place we work as a spot where God wants us to be missional for him. You know, it's kind of the work thing, and God's over here, and that's the God part, and this is my part over here, but God sees it all as one. And so we talked about being on mission wherever you go, whatever that looks like. I got an email this past week. Somebody said, I woke up late last week, I jumped in my car, and five minutes from church, I considered just going back home. But God had a different idea, and I'm so glad that I came in. I'm definitely one who hears the word missions and thinks overseas, but honestly, it does begin in the workplace, my workplace, and I look forward to missionary work right there. Again, I love that. And we need more and more people who are thinking that way. And again, that all happens 
It can happen when we occasionally remind ourselves that God has revealed himself. He's broken into our world. He's extended goodness to us. We've benefited from that. So now let's just go and serve somebody. Here's step number two. No crazy talk, right? So just drop the crazy talk. And that's what they had to be reminded of here. Here's verse nine. Paul says, do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. So here's what was happening on the island of Crete. Keep in mind, these people are corrupt and they've got all kinds of issues. But there were some there who wanted to uphold old Jewish laws. And so they began to divide themselves over some crazy things like this. Can we eat an egg laid on a holy day? Like, should we do this? And there was a whole group over here saying, no, do not eat an egg laid on a holy day. That's not a good thing. God will not be happy with us. So no eating eggs on holy days. And then you had people way over here. And they're like, are you kidding me? It's an egg. God doesn't care. You can eat the egg. It's no big deal. And so they're saying, no, no eggs on holy days. And over here they're saying, this is not a big deal. Let's not get too excited about this. And they started to draw lines. So here's what else they talked about. They talked about what kinds of candles should be used during holy celebrations. And people over here are like, we have to use these kinds of candles because this is just the way it is. Like these are the good ones. They smell good. They're pretty or whatever. I'm not sure the parameters, but these are the kinds of candles. And then you had a whole group over here saying, are you kidding me? Candles don't matter. It's not that big of a deal. And so they started to draw these big lines on things like eggs and candles. And here's what happened. The result? Divisions. Quarrels. And people were drawing lines and they were ready to go to war and battle over eggs and candles. Paul says, here's the deal. No crazy talk. I mean, just stop that, get rid of that, warn people once, give them a second warning, and then if it continues, have nothing to do with them, because Paul knew that if Titus could get these people to not quarrel and not cause divisions, huge impact on that corrupt island. You know, maybe you find yourself in the middle of some quarrels and divisions, Are you there? You know, hopefully it's not about eggs and candles, all right? I just want to throw that out there. Hopefully it's about other things. But if you find yourself there, I believe you have a unique opportunity to stop the crazy talk and have great impact. You want to have impact in your family? Do you want to have impact at work? And just drop the crazy talk. Stop the divisions and the quarreling. Do everything within your power. And I think that God will open up the doors for you to pass on his goodness to other people. Here's the third step. 
make investing in people a big deal. Make investing in people just a huge thing. And in the rest of chapter 3, verses 12 and following, this is exactly what we find Paul talking about. And so he just begins to run a list of people that he's impacted. People that he cared about, people that he loved, people that were a part of his world. And he just names them. And perhaps it'd be really, really good for us just to name the people that are around us that we need to invest in. So let me talk about some of these people. Paul talked about Artemis. We don't really know about this guy because he's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Just in Titus chapter 3. So we don't know a lot about who he was or what he did, but Paul loved this guy, and it's somebody that he invested in. There's another guy named Tychicus. We know a lot about this individual because he traveled with Paul. He probably carried a lot of his different letters that he wrote and delivered them to people and to churches. And it's fair to say that Tychicus was on his way to the island of Crete to help out Titus. That was going to be his role. He's an individual that Paul loved, he cared about, and there's no doubt that he invested in him. We've got Zenus. We don't know a lot about this guy either. He was a lawyer, so he was an educated individual, and he's only mentioned here in chapter 3, but he's an individual that Paul invested in. There's a guy named Apollos. Apollos is a well-known name in Scripture. He was an eloquent speaker, a compelling teacher, and people loved to listen to Apollos, and they came from all over the place just to hear what he had to say. Apollos was an individual that Paul knew, and he invested in him. And then Paul does a unique thing. He just kind of says, my people... These are my peeps, and I have invested in a lot of other individuals, and there are too many here to name. But Paul and Titus knew that by investing in the people around them, there was no limit, no limit at all to what God could do in that corrupt little island. And so Paul says, Titus, invest in people, invest in people, pass on things to them, invest in people. Let me share some takeaways with you, some stuff we can do as we walk out. First of all, find a way to pass on goodness to someone this week. I'm not going to define what that is or who it is or when or where. You get to figure that out. But you just find a way to pass on goodness to somebody this week and start thinking about this now because if you walk out and don't consider something now, you'll forget all about it. And I don't think God wants us to do that. Again, he's revealed himself to us. We've benefited from that. So let's just find a way to pass on goodness to someone this week. And then secondly, invest in the people that God has placed around you. Just invest in those people. You know what our problem is sometimes? We look at the people around us, And we don't like them. Like, I don't know if I'm really into my family. I don't know if I like the people that I work with. And I'm okay with investing in people as long as it's those people. Like, I'm okay with them, but the people around me I'm not so sure about. And here's the reality. I don't think God's going to give you the opportunity to invest in those people until you invest in these people. 
And God has placed individuals right around you that he wants you to pass on goodness to. Start there and then just watch what God does. So Titus, three chapters here that are challenging and convicting and just helps us to know that we have to do something. Don't just gather trophies of knowledge and hold that up as if that's the best thing because trophies impress people, but they don't impress God. So don't just gather knowledge. Don't just know stuff. Do something. Chapter 1. Identify those things that kind of peel you away from God. Fight against that stuff. Chapter 2. Develop a spiritual plan and then run with that. And then in chapter 3, do something like serve somebody because this is what God has done for all of us. So this book ends with these words. May God's grace be with you all. And may God's grace be with all of you as you choose to do something. Father, we're so thankful for this great book that just helps us to know so much about how we should function and how we should act. God, I pray that you'd help us not to forget about these things. Help us to embrace them to just do, God, because knowing is not enough. Sometimes we gain all of this information and we get filled with pride about what we know. And God, I don't think you want that for us. You want us to know a few things and that's all good, but God, you want us to do. So God, help us to just do. Help us to follow you wherever it is that you're leading us. God, that's going to be different for every person in here. I'm so thankful for those who just go out and they do good things because they get that you have revealed yourself to them and they've benefited from that. And so now they're just out finding ways to pass that on to other people. God, light a fire in me. Light a fire in all of us to do just that, to be so ready to serve somebody. God, all around us, everywhere we go, where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we play. God, there's so many people all around us who desperately need a touch from you. And God, you've probably placed us right in their path so that we can be the one who passes on goodness to them and helps them see that there is a God who loves them deeply and we can help them cross that line of faith and enjoy that forever friendship with you. God, help us to do. Help us to do something. And we pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.